2017. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and this is the first of three podcasts we're going to do this week, which is my way of reminding you that we are now doing three podcasts a week. Like I've said before, the days are going to vary based on the week and the developments and our schedules, but we are going to do three podcasts every week. That's a contractually obligated promise. So please subscribe via iTunes, rate it favorably, and continue to write great things about me in the comments. I've been reading them. They are funny and appreciated, so keep it up. And I'll owe you forever. And the truth is, Norlander, uh, not a whole lot has happened since the last time we spoke. The last time we spoke was, I guess, early Friday. And so a bunch of ranked teams have played a bunch of unranked teams. And uh, for the most part, they have won. But not the case for Northwestern. They got their uh, brains beat in on Sunday afternoon. Lost to Texas Tech 85-49. So now the Wildcats have a home loss to Creighton and a blowout loss to Texas Tech on their resume Preseason ranked 19th in the AP poll, but two losses to two unranked teams already. Norlander, what is wrong with Chris Collins' basketball team? Defensively, they've got more issues than was certainly anticipated. Uh, this team is offensively focused, but at least more so this year than I think last year. It was a really solid defensive team last year. I will note, uh, I was looking over what Northwestern was last season because I thought I remembered them kind of struggling a little bit out of the gate before they found momentum. I was right and I was wrong. They actually lost twice before league play last season but it was early they dropped a game at butler a close one and they dropped a close one against notre dame on a neutral floor and i believe that was a uh, a game that happened in the barclays like the week of thanksgiving now it's a different it's a different situation with this team and what's concerning for northwestern fans at this uh, at this point in time is that you got mostly everyone back from the from the team last season brian mcintosh Set up to be a first-team, all-league, Big, Big Ten caliber kind of player. Scotty Lindsey, Vic Law, really good players. Um, now, the, the Creighton loss, I didn't hate it. I mean, they lost at home, but Creighton's a solid team. I actually think that Creighton has a, uh, has a good shot at being something of a surprise group overall. But non-competitive GP against Texas Tech. And it could say more, a little bit more about Tech than, than Northwestern. We're going to focus on Northwestern more because they were the team that was ranked in the preseason and certainly had the higher expectations coming in. Um, wonder if I'm not I'm not going to make an excuse, and I don't know this to be true, but when you get beat that badly, mm-hmm. and this happened right here in the Nutmeg State. I was not at the game. It was over on the other side of the state in Uncasville. Shout out to Mohegan's son. But like, was, were there any uh, illnesses that players might have been battling, gave it a go anyway? Is someone perhaps a little bit dinged up? Was this just a total throw out the tape kind of game um very bizarre to see texas tech which is a solidly coached team and a veteran team but not the kind of team that's built to blow out major conference opponents by 30 plus so it certainly qualifies northwestern and northwestern alone as the only team in that top 30 ish ranking heading into the season that could be a disappointment to this point they can obviously turn around plenty of time this is kind of what november is for but we can't overstate enough that you lose an opportunity at home to beat Creighton, could very well be a tournament team. And now this is, to me, unless Northwestern GP, unless they roar back into Big Ten play and have such a, a fantastic season, uh, this being on a neutral against Texas Tech, no matter how good or not Texas Tech becomes, I actually think it is, is a seed line loss. Like whatever Northwestern gets 
if in, indeed it gets to the NCAA tournament. If it ends up with a nine, I think it would have been an eight otherwise, perhaps even a seven if this uh, outcome hadn't happened and they got the win. But it is what it is. And not a lot of teams that are going to be looking for at-large bids in the single-digit realm are going to be able to say, hey, we lost by 40-plus to, uh, to a major conference opponent on a neutral floor. Listen, I, I agree with a, a lot of what you said, uh, particularly the home loss to Creighton not being too concerning because I don't think Creighton's bad. I don't think Creighton's great. But I think Creighton's probably an NCAA tournament team and perhaps better than we anticipated in the preseason. Plus, Northwestern doesn't have its normal home court advantage. Um, they're not playing actually at home this season. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Well, no, we'll care about that, but at, from a real like a real world standpoint, right. that could have just a little bit tangible effects. Right. right. And so I was like, uh, whatever. Uh, not ideal. Uh, kind of surprising, but whatever. But when you lose like this to Texas Tech, I agree with you. It might mean that Texas Tech is better than we thought. I, I think it seems kind of obvious right now that Texas Tech is better than what we thought, but um, I don't care if you're playing Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. You're a preseason top 20 team? You ain't supposed to lose like that to anybody, much less Texas Tech. And so um, this one is absolutely concerning, and it, it's got in Northwestern, not in panic mode. I mean, it is November 19th, but it's certainly not been a a, a good first nine days of the season for the basketball team. And you, you said something earlier that I thought was good. Like, um, you know, you, you remembered them, like maybe having a bump in the road here or there, but they obviously got to a point where they weren't even on the bubble heading into selection Sunday. And then they get into the NCAA tournament for the first time in history. That makes big headlines. They got um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus at the game. So that's creating extra buzz. They got Northwestern, alums all over twitter and journalism who we either follow or are actually friends with so that takes it to another level and then they advance in the tournament and then they play gonzaga which ends up in the national championship game pretty close in the tournament they finish with 24 victories and then they bring basically everybody back and so what you do is precisely what ap voters did precisely what i did as well i'm not excluding my, myself from this you go hey man that was a team that went to the round of 32 played gonzaga tough uh, 124 games, bring basically everything back. That's a preseason top 20 team. That's a preseason top 15 team. But I went back this afternoon and, and like looked at the details. You know what they were last year? They were pretty good. That's all they were. And sometimes we think that pretty, yeah. we think that pretty good teams that bring basically everybody back, we think they're automatically going to be really good teams or great teams. And sometimes they just stay pretty good because that's what they are. They're just pretty good. The details were this. Uh, they only went 10-8 and eight in the Big Ten last season. That's pretty good. That's average. They went 2-4 and four against top 25 Ken Palm teams and 7-10 and 10 against top 50 Ken Palm teams. That's not good. So, like, maybe what we're finding out is, listen, I don't think you know, Northwestern's uh, whatever it is, 36 points worse than, than Texas Tech, but maybe what we're finding out is they're also not – a top 15 team, not a top 20 team, and maybe not anything close. Maybe they're just uh, a bunch of guys from a pretty good team that came back, and now they can be at their best once again a, a pretty good team. Maybe we just all had them overrated in the preseason. It certainly looks that way so far. It's possible. Um, see what see what's going to come in the next few weeks here because um, it's, it's an interesting season for Northwestern and the Big Ten on the whole because of the fact that the Big Ten is playing its – uh, league tournament at Madison Square Garden for the first time that messed with the league schedule so the Big Ten 
uh, by necessity due to the arenas it has to play in with its own calendar to get everything done in time a week early. It starts league play throughout the league on Friday, December 1st. So Northwestern has a home tilt against Illinois, a team it should beat. But that is a big brother, little brother thing going on there. So if you're a Northwestern fan, no matter how good your team is in a given year, and granted between last year and what's supposed to be this year, it's never been even this good. You never think that you're a lock to beat Illinois no matter what. And then they follow that up two days later with a road game at Purdue. And given the way Purdue's looked already, you got to think that's going to be a loss there. So how does Northwestern perform in those games? And then still got, you know, at Georgia Tech, not a gimme there. It certainly could enter into December. Um, it's plenty behind the eight ball. We'll see if they can recover. I do like their talent overall. Like I do think that Law, Lindsey, McIntosh make for a really strong trio right there. But uh, but every season we see this. This may or may not be Northwestern case. But uh, you look across at the power conference programs and you can pick out three to six in a given year on the good side and the bad side. Three to six teams outperform expectations to a notable degree, and three to six teams usually. Are, are well short of what was expected to them. We wait and see if Northwestern falls in that latter category. Yeah, if they start something like five and four through nine games, or or even four and five through nine games, that that won't surprise me given uh, what's in front of them. It is worth noting uh, the Georgia Tech game comes. They won't have to deal with Josh Okogie. He'll still be suspended uh, for taking impermissible benefits. Um, so that's that's helpful. Uh, but still, um, yeah, they've they've they're going through it a little bit. I, I think it's possible they were overrated and like by by me as well as much as anybody else in the preseason and uh now they're they're gonna they're already off to a rough start to this season they could end up um you know below 500 through nine games i think that's very very reasonable let me tell you about SeatGeek, which is uh, the smartest easiest way to get tickets to live events it's what i've learned over the years the thanks to SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps that's all it takes it it helps you find this app does the best seats fully guaranteed and the way it does it is it uh, searches multiple ticket sites for you and compares prices for you so that it m- finds the best deals available so uh, those days of let me search this site let me search that site let me search another site just to make sure that's over with with SeatGeek. you go to SeatGeek, they'll do all the work for you so now you're saving time uh, you're saving money you know you're not getting ripped off i've got the app on my phone you should get it on your phone and remember that uh, when you do download that app, next time you buy tickets, whether it's to a basketball game, concert, does not matter what it is. If it's a ticket available at SeatGeek, you qualify for this. Use the code COLLEGEBB, that's COLLEGEBB, and you're going to get uh, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's promo code COLLEGEBB, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go download that app. It's in your app store. Uh, get it on your phone, and just remember, next time you go into a basketball game, or a hockey game, or a football game, or a concert, whatever, you're using SeatGeek. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. Okay, it's been a pretty lame past few days of college basketball. We just just, just mostly buy games after buy games after buy games. Uh, Power 5 schools playing bums, total mismatches, which I think is frankly one of the, the problems facing college basketball. As we're recording this, USC is playing at Vanderbilt, and do you know that even though the season started on November, I guess it was 10th or 11th, whatever it was, this is the first time a top 10 team has played a true road game. Nobody else has done it until USC is at Vanderbilt in Nashville um, as we're recording this. And so uh, that's the nature of the sport in November and honestly much of December. But we do have some interesting stuff starting uh, on Monday. 
uh, specifically the Maui Invitational, which is now what? The Jim Maui Maui Invitational? I think it's been this for the past three years, but it's, it is the – I think it's the Maui Jim Maui. <laughs> Maui Jim Maui. By the way, uh, listen uh, – I'm not. Uh, I, we've we've covered the Louis Vuitton sunglasses angle thoroughly on this podcast. I'm not a sunglasses savant, so until this became the Maui Jim Maui Invitational, I didn't even realize that Jim Maui sunglasses were a thing, honestly. Uh, but that is that is the deal overall. And we take it whatever way you want here, GP. But my quick just overall take on Maui is it's a solid field this season. But the PK80 has clearly taken away the luster that Maui has in yeah. most years. But it's still a it's still a decent field, and I always I mean I always love Maui when when it's on the TV. It's great daytime ball. We love that, and uh, it obviously that is my uh, trigger point for knowing that Thanksgiving is, is you know mere hours away, basically. Yeah, it's um, there's no question the PK80 is going to get most of the attention this week. You're going to be in Portland uh, for that. And we'll talk about it on the next podcast because it doesn't actually get started till till Thursday. But the Maui uh, Invitational. By the way, I own a pair of those sunglasses. I'm not surprised. No, I I, I like got them in some sort of golf charity thing. I don't even remember. Like I, I like you did not know they existed until, until like we got some sort of gift bag. I think it was when I played in the Pro Am FedEx St. Jude Classic. They just give you like, I mean, it really is like thousands of dollars worth of stuff or at least a thousand dollars worth of stuff and so i got these sunglasses and i was showing them to i think my wife she was like those are like four hundred dollar sunglasses and i said oh okay well you can have them i don't because i i don't i I got my louis Vuitton sunglasses right i know because i don't wear expensive sunglasses because during the summer um you lose them well yeah i just i tend to in the times that i might be wearing sunglasses during the summer i also might be drinking during the summer and I'll, I'll, uh, they'll fall off my head, or I'll forget where I put them, or I'll take them off and just leave them somewhere. So I, I, I buy, at the beginning of every summer, I buy like five pair of just cheap sunglasses, black ones, brown ones, whatever. And I just, and so when I lose them, it doesn't matter because I'm inevitably going to lose them. Same thing with wedding rings. I have like five wedding rings, all cost like less than 20 bucks on Amazon. Uh, I still have my original one, but I do have two other cheap ones uh, that I wear when I don't. When I might be going somewhere, I don't want to lose my actual one. So I hear you on that. Yeah, I just I take a, my wedding ring off when I type, which is like all day every day because I'm I'm a writer, and so I'll just leave it in my radio studio or leave it at Starbucks or leave leave it anywhere. And then often, like I'll find it again eventually, but 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 like like right now. If you told me go go, if I only had one wedding wedding ring, like the last wedding ring I wore, I don't even have one on right now. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where it is. I'm assuming it's somewhere in my house, but I have no idea. So what I do is I keep. Say it's just like iPhone cords. I keep a bunch of iPhone cords in a drawer, and a bunch of uh, and a bunch of wedding rings in a drawer. So I can always just grab one when I need one, like for whatever reason you might need one, like to look like a respectable husband. I guess would be the the main reason. So. Um, yeah, my I got my uh, Maui Jim or Jim Maui sunglasses, but I've never worn them. I think they're still in their original case. Anyway, Maui Invitational opening round games. You got Marquette VCU, Wichita State, California, Notre Dame Chaminade, Michigan State LSU. Is that right? No, it's Michigan LSU, isn't it? LSU, yes. Yeah, Michigan. Cool. Yeah, Michigan LSU. So we could theoretically have a championship game. Of Wichita State Notre Dame, I guess if you were betting, that's the way you would bet it would go. Yeah, is that what you expected, Notre Dame Wichita State? Um, yeah, I think that is what I'm expecting. 
down on Michigan. I think it's going to be like Michigan. Speak about what Northwestern was last year, GP. Michigan vaulted to a seven seed after it entered the Big Ten tournament following a, a plane runway scare. Definitely, in my opinion, needing at least one win to get into the tournament and then got great wins late to just improve its overall resume. That team lost a lot of talent, including a very, very important player in Derek Walton. So I think that Michigan's actually headed toward another season where it will enter the Big Ten tournament, probably needing a win or two to solidify its status as an NCAA tournament team. So I don't like their chances overall to win here. LSU, obviously very young, first year under Will Wade. Marquette, not a top half of the Big East team in my opinion, Big East uh, in, the, in the conference, in my opinion. VCU, similarly, got a new coach there in Mike Rhodes. The Rams, I don't know if they're even going to finish top three in the in the A-10. I don't know. We'll see about that. So Notre Dame, which is veteran-laden again, and really between Notre Dame and Wichita State among active players, um, I think they probably have the three best players on the on in the tournament. Farrell, Colson, Shamit, uh, anyone else would be in that conversation between the teams. I mean, uh, Wagner at, at Michigan's good, but I don't think he's as good as those three. Um, no one at VCU. Uh, Marquette, Marcus Howard's not quite that at that level. So I guess for those reasons above all others is why I would take Wichita State and Notre Dame to get to the championship. But the fun with Maui is that, you know, upsets happen not annually, but relatively frequently. And I am always, no matter who the opponent is, I'm always rooting for Shamanon to pull it off because I think – if you check the Wikipedia, it's going to tell you. But they have the famous win over Virginia back in the day, which, by the way, I do not believe that actually happened Like at the Maui Invitational as we know it right now. It, it was that upset that sparked the whole idea of having a Maui Invitational. So I think technically in the Maui Invitational era, Chaminade might only have two wins, maybe three. Um, so it's it's a rare thing, but it's a cool thing when it happens. Regardless, again... Daytime tournament basketball, I'm all for it. And, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is, is, is the big buildup. I know a lot of listeners will agree with me, though, that uh, the one bummer about this is for like 15 years, GP, it was, I loved Billis and Raftery and uh, McDonough that when they would do this. Now Billis is still out there and obviously uh, many talented people doing that. But uh, that kind of gets me nostalgic for the old days because I love when those guys were on the games. But, uh, but, yeah, that's the big one. I mean, other than that, you can share your thoughts on Maui overall. We've got... Random assortments of tournaments coming, but Maui gets kind of the main stage uh, to start the week. I'd be surprised if we get anything other than Notre Dame, Wichita State in the title game. Um, while recognizing it's a single elimination tournament of 40-minute games, anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, those are clearly, I think clearly, the best two teams there. Um, as far as who wins it, uh, I think Wichita State win completely healthy. Better than Notre Dame. But they like the Wichita State's been dominant so far this season. They're missing one of their best players. You know that matters, and Marcus McDuffie. And so uh, maybe the edge then goes to Notre Dame. But if you had to pick a winner, who are you picking? I'm going to go Wichita State, largely based off of what I've seen so far. Granted, against some inferior competition. But heading into the season, I thought Wichita State was set up to be the better team overall and the better team at the start. I'm going with the Shockers. I know you are obviously going to go to the Shockers as well, right? I have to. You know, I don't want those Shocker fans coming at me. I, I hear you. Absolutely. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. So in Wichita State, I think the most impressive thing about them so far um, has been Landry Shamit doesn't really look like somebody who's missed, you know, who missed much of the, the preseason. Like he's, 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 he's ready to go. And so I think you're going to get some, some impressive performances from him out on the island. And like you said, it's daytime basketball. It's a, it's a fun event. We've also got uh, nighttime basketball in Kansas City. 
the Hall of Fame Classic gets started on Monday. Uh, that's a four-team event, and the games are UCLA-Creighton, the opening round games. It's UCLA-Creighton and Baylor-Wisconsin. So if UCLA and Baylor win, we will have ranked team versus ranked team on Tuesday night. Frankly, though, if, if a Creighton and Baylor win, we could end up with ranked team versus ranked team because by the time the AP poll comes out on Monday, it is possible uh, that Creighton will be involved. I don't think Creighton will be involved, but it's possible that Creighton will be involved. Either way, that's a pretty good event as well. It is. Our colleague Reed Forgrave will be on hand for those games on Monday night out in KC. Baylor, Wisconsin, uh, it's going to be our first real good look for Baylor this season. Um, Emmanuel LeCompte is a, is a fine point guard. They've got some solid defensive presence still uh, down low Do the Bears. Uh, but let's see how they do against the Wisconsin team who... Uh, we didn't hit this uh, hit on this on the previous podcast, but it got uh, all it could take and still looked good at home. Granted, it was a loss, but Wisconsin dropped that home game against Xavier. Trayvon blew it, uh, blew up in the final few minutes and, and really carried the X to a, a really, really nice road to win. Let's see how Wisconsin re- rebounds here because we've both talked about on the podcast uh, in the past leading up into the season. Just it's not it's not a vintage Wisconsin team. We're not really sure how good it's going to be. Ethan Happ did his his best MVP for performance there in that X game. Um, can he do that again? But they're going to need more than that. And they do have some good pieces that are still building there. I do like Baylor to win that. UCLA Creighton, um, I think I'm more confident that Baylor will beat Wisconsin than UCLA will beat Creighton, I think. Uh, in part because I'm a big Marcus Foster guy. Kyrie Thomas has been tremendous uh, and could eventually you know, become the definitive best player on that team, even though I thought... Foster would be that guy heading into the season. With UCLA, obviously, they don't have the three players uh, from China that are that because they, they're not allowed to travel with the team. Um, but again, they're not big time factors. How does Jalen Hands show up uh, against a pretty legit backcourt? Um, Chris Wilkes is the other freshman to know. Thomas Welsh, Creighton doesn't really have any answers for him uh, down low or in the mid range overall. Uh, he's a pretty important person to watch. I'm very intrigued by this game. I would be shocked. If it's not in the mid-80s, if not 90s, both of these teams will want to go, will want to score. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And this could be uh, a a moment of arrival for Aaron Holiday, who's had a nice college career to this point. Obviously took a a backseat last season and willingly came off the bench as a six-man because of Lonzo and Bryce Alford being his senior season. Um, And I'm I'm intrigued by the game overall. Uh, I'll take UCLA to win. And what pe- it could be a fun one. And it could be a UCLA win by six, seven points, but it's kind of thrilling the whole time. And then the final 90 seconds or so, free throws kind of give it a bigger separation than it seems. But uh, to me, this is the best game on Monday in terms of just most intrigue, best offense. The one that if you've only got time for one game Monday, I, I would say this is going to be the one that you should be watching. Uh, uh, remember, UCLA remember- barely beat a shorthanded Georgia Tech team that was in – where were they? Oh, of course, China. Sorry. How could I forget? And uh, and then they came back home and they struggled with Central Arkansas. They went to overtime uh, uh, last Wednesday night with Central Arkansas. And then, of course, they pounded South Carolina State on Friday. But they haven't played well this season. They are missing three players. Um, I know UCLA's ranked. Creighton right now unranked. You ready for this? I'm not. I'm not ready, but go ahead. You put me down for Creighton. Straight up. I'm taking I'm taking the Creighton Blue Jays. First one of the season. <laughs> I'm taking the I'm Creighton Blue Jays. I'm not going to prompt you. I wondered when you were actually going to do that. All right, there we go. I'm taking the Creighton Blue Jays over the UCLA Bruins. Straight up. Uh, and so I think we're going to get a Creighton-Baylor 
uh, championship game in Kansas City. And, yeah, we shouldn't get out of here without noting the President of the United States has tweeted twice today about LeVar Ball. You know, I was on the reel here. I was not going to bring it up, and I was going to see if you weren't going to bring it up because we can talk about it if you want, but I almost feel like our listeners would even be like, thank you for not just giving this. I don't have anything to say about it that's uh, especially enlightening other than it is unsurprising because though your typical president of the United States just stays above everything, like even when Kanye West is on national television talking about George Bush hates black people, like George Bush didn't immediately find a way to to discuss this. And, and so this isn't even like a Republican-Democrat thing. Like, Barack Obama got criticized every day. He didn't jump on Twitter every day and respond to everything. Uh, President Trump, like, genuinely cannot ignore criticism. Like, like I, I honestly think I'm better at ignoring criticism than he is. Like, he, he can't ignore J- Jamel Hill. He can't ignore LeVar Ball. He can't avo- ignore uh, Bob Corker. He can't ignore anybody. And so... Once LeVar acted like Donald Trump was taking too much credit for getting LiAngelo and his two teammates out of China, I was like, there is a 0% chance President Trump does not go at LeVar on Twitter. And he woke up on Sunday morning and did it. And then, like, just apparently that wasn't enough because he came back on Sunday night and did it. He's now saying that he should have just left the kids in China, in a Chinese jail, which is just, it's like, on a, on a serious level, it's um, disturbing because... Like the president of the United States really shouldn't be concerned with anything LeVar Ball says or or concerned with most of the things that he's concerned with. But on a total separate level, it is hilarious that um, and I think probably this was always going to be the case. We could not escape the year 2017 without a Donald Trump LeVar Ball controversy. I like it would it would not have been fitting if we would have escaped 2017 without a LeVar Ball Donald Trump controversy because honestly like who's been like who's been more controversial and I know we can come up with a list but just take it for for what I'm saying it as I'm saying it like who's been more controversial in 2017 in totally different ways than Donald Trump and LeVar Ball exactly this is an organism that will eat itself and continue to feed itself <laughs> it's not the first or last time uh, just now it goes to okay, Lavar. Now I want you to respond. Then we wait for <laughs> like it's just going to be whatever. I will touch on this from a true UCLA standpoint right now. Like uh, Steve Alford just has to be freaking hating like every bit of this. Like, is it even remotely worth it? No, it's not. If Lavar Ball wanted to pull Leangelo off the team, Alford wouldn't fight it whatsoever. And even though Lamelo Ball is a five-star talent. Uh, do you want to continue to have this stuff in the background? Because it it just adds an element of a headache that just doesn't go away. And it's got like it's crazy to me, and in some ways I guess not, but the way that the LeVar Ball story continues to materialize in different ways that uh, the stories are ridiculous but also have their own validity to them. Like the, the UCLA players stealing from three high-end stores in China is a legitimate international story. And it's something that we couldn't have possibly foreseen when we were talking about the insanity of LeVar Ball pulling his team off the floor if they didn't get a female referee taken off the court this summer. Like, we thought, oh my god, this is like, this is peak LeVar. No, actually, there are 13 other levels to this video game, <laughs> and we're finding out the hack codes to them by the week. So it's 
and it is totally exhausting for a lot of people. I get like you're so sick of this dude, but it's just never ending. So for Alfred, he's going to get asked about this tomorrow night. And however he responds is however he responds. But when you have the president of the United States calling out the father of someone on your roster and it directly ties to this ongoing event, which is an indefinite suspension for all these players, like the questions are legitimate, even if people are sick and tired of it at this point. Like it's just going to be, again, this is just going to be part of UCLA's story the entire season. What happened in China will just like a fog just hang over this team no matter what good or great things it does. The problem the for Steve is that I don't think you can get rid of LiAngelo without getting rid of the other two. I don't think he wants to get rid of the other two. Um, like I, I, I mean, you can do it, obviously, but it would, it's it, already gone, so it doesn't matter. Right. Lons, so, but no, no, yeah. no, 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 that's not what I mean. I don't think you can get rid of LiAngelo without getting rid of the other two players in China, who were oh, also. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And yeah. so, I mean, you yeah, could, I know that, but I'm saying like if he, if 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 Steve got a call Monday afternoon and Lavar said we're done with this, LiAngelo, I'm taking him off the team. Oh, I do. <laughs> Steve is not going to say. Oh wait, please no. Oh That's... no, I agree with you. In fact, I would I would argue this. I would if you told me that already, like Lamelo's not coming to college. Like Lamelo either isn't going to play college basketball or he's not coming going to UCLA, which I think is very likely at this point. Like I, at this point, I will be surprised if Lamelo uh, ever wears a UCLA uniform. If you told me if I'm Steve Offered and you tell me that, hey, listen, Lonzo's gone. You're never getting Lamelo. I'd be done with it. I'd say you know what, we just don't need it anymore. I, I, like, I, I, I would just, like, because LiAngelo's never going to help you. Lonzo already did, can't help you anymore. And if LaMelo's never coming, what is the point? I always thought you take LiAngelo to get LaMelo, because despite all the controversy around LaMelo, I think LaMelo's terrific. Like, I think LaMelo's going to be, would be a great college player. Like, a really fun, but also great college player. So I deal with it to get LaMelo. Coaches have dealt with dumber things than, than this to, to get a player. Um, but if you told me Lamelo's never coming, which seems likely, I'd be done with it. I'd, I like I. That's when I'd say, okay, we got that one year of Lonzo. Um, we're never getting Lamelo. What is the point? I don't yeah. think I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, but it would be something I'd seriously consider uh, if I were Steve, and if I knew that that Lamelo was never actually going to enroll. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts no, to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF Antigua. What you ain't done? You got something else? Yeah. I had two quick things here. Yeah, you got your shouts in. It's just a weird day for UCLA because you had the president of the United States calling out LeVar on Twitter, and then they fired their football coach. So just uh, just the, the most surreal days, I think, for that athletic department in general. Um, and then I wanted just to mention this on the podcast because people might ask why we didn't talk about it. But uh, Miles Bridges twisted his ankle. He seems to be okay, judging what it's not a high ankle sprain, according to Tom Izzo. That was in the Stony Brook game. Michigan State played on Sunday. So if there are further updates to that injury, we find out more information between now and the next podcast. We'll just address that on the next podcast. But hopefully he's just okay, and this is just like you know a two, three, four day kind of thing. But he did say he was he was truly day to day. So I just I felt it I felt it necessary to touch on that quickly on this college basketball podcast. Parish. You you almost interrupted a Devin Downey shout out for that. I was trying to get you to not get to the Devin Downey shout out before I mentioned the Bridges thing. That's all. If you want to reset your shout outs. By all means, the floor is yours. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. Effin Teagle. And remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. So please do that. It actually does make a difference, like in a tangible way, but also with our bosses. We appreciate it. So please go do that. 
Uh, and we're going to be back uh, in just a few days, probably on Wednesday. That's when, uh, like I mentioned, among other things, we will preview the PK-80 Phil Knight Invitational. And Nordlander is headed to Portland for that. So we'll talk about that and whatever else on the next podcast. Till then, take care.